turned out to be completely unreliable asshole. Hey, Tim. Good day, Ryan. And this is episode five of our horror podcast, which is now titled... Dismembering Horror with... The Horror Hounds of Hollywood. That'd be myself, Tim Aslan. And I'm Ryan McDuffie. We are the self-proclaimed Horror <laughs> Hounds of Hollywood. Exactly. <laughs> so... <clears throat> what did we just finish watching? Holy crap. <laughs> That's all you got to say about it. Yeah. <laughs> this was one that I saw back in high school. Um, it came out in 2003. And I sort of haven't seen it, hadn't seen it since then. You know, this was 15 years ago now. So it was, it wasn't, so it was very fresh revisiting it. It was like seeing <laughs> it, even though I, you know, remembered it when I was watching it, it was still... A fresh, fun experience watching again. And, oh, and the film is uh, Willard. 2003's Willard. What part of your fire don't you understand? Willard, let's go drink. I'm not hitting on you, Willard. Willard's styles didn't quite fit in. It's been a bad day. Look, everybody, food. But he's suddenly become very popular. You're the best friends that I ever had. Now. Turn, turn, turn. Turn up. A guy who could never get a break. Yeah. Is about to get even. Out. Not to be confused with 1971's Willard. I think it's 71. Yeah, 71. Um, oh, man. Starring Crispin Glover. Yeah, we, that's we true. We both say Glover. I've heard other people say Glover. But let us know if, if there's a definitive answer on that. Um, I think he's weird, and I think people are weird. And I think people want to make him weirder because he's weird. So they, like, make his name weirder than it actually is i think it's a glover and people are like is yeah, glover weirder than glover totally yes glover at least like sounds like glove yeah <laughs> and like other people have that last name oh you know danny glover oh yeah that's probably why because of danny glover so same spelling you're you right. know i'm just saying people like to weird it up when somebody's weird yeah and he is well known to be a very if peculiar you know his guy. work, which yeah. um, we highly recommend also checking out the music video to <laughs> Ben. His, he did a cover of the song Ben, which we'll get into. That's, That's featured in the yeah, film. Yeah, it sure is. Um, and how would oh, you man. rate this film in our rating system? Oh, God. Okay. Oof. I hated this movie. Hated. Hated this so movie. You would I would avoid it. pretty much say avoid it. I'd say, oof, that's pretty harsh, but you can stream it. <laughs> if, you, if you have whatever it was, 90 minutes to waste. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say don't see it. I, I, it's just don't, I would not, I would definitely not pay for this movie. Not a cent. I paid with my time. Mm -hmm. I don't regret it. But I acknowledge that that's time I won't get back. Right. It's only valid and worthwhile because now I get to talk about it doing something I like. In Insidious 4, did you say rent it or stream it? <laughs> I think I said stream it. Okay. I'm, just... <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said stream it. Okay. Don't pay for Insidious 4. Um... <laughs> I liked Insidious 4. Maybe more than this. Oh, wow. Maybe. I wanted, I mean, I definitely enjoyed it more than you, hearing <laughs> your reaction to it. <laughs> I want to say rent it, because I'm looking at the list of things that worked for me and things that didn't work for me. Cool. And the first one, which is what worked for me, is longer than what didn't work for me. Oh, we should summarize this quickly, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you Actually, no, do a I didn't mean to get into just what this podcast is, what our what our format is oh, yeah. of the podcast. Um. Well, the spirit of it is, is that we hope that you 
will have just watched it too and it's sort of like there's a, there's a there's um there's an excitement when you just finish watching a horror movie i guess any movie but horror movies which you know to people like Tim and I and you here listening are especially fascinating, so it's fun to mm. be able to pick it apart and digest it or dismember it in the case of our <laughs> the, the title of our podcast. Look at that. So and what's the so what's the formula we have to do that with? Well, so we're gonna summarize, we're gonna rate. Are we gonna rate before we summarize? Yeah. yeah. So we'll rate what we thought of it, then we'll summarize it, and then we'll talk about what worked for us then we'll talk about what didn't work for us. And then we'll talk about just things that were noteworthy. And I think before we talk about things that didn't work for us, I might slide in a segment now and again called Tim's Cobweb Continuity. Cobweb Continuity. Listen to episode one, you'll know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And then when we sort of wrap it all up, We'll do some uh, what we were sort of calling recommended recommend. I don't know how to say recommendations. It. Me- Recom- recommendations. Recommendations. Yeah, we'll get that. We'll get it. <laughs> and we'll just talk about things that we're either watching or reading or listening to or whatever. And well, that's kind of the same thing. Yeah, yeah. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. Recommendations. Just things you know on top of is it the weekly? Are we thing. gonna do horror exclusively? I don't think we have to. No. Okay. No, I think that can be open to whatever. Great. That sounds good. Yeah. Cool. All right. And then we'll, you know, we'll pick the next week's or we'll tell you what the next week uh, movie that we're going to do is. And hopefully you'll have time to go watch it before you come back and listen to that episode. Exactly. So what was the summary well, of my, this film? Should I do the summary? Please. Okay. Willard is an antisocial mid-30s male white male living with his um what's the word for when you you're sick and her her in his invalid mother who is kind of a pain in the ass but she's dying so you give her give her a pass um and they she alerts him to rats in the basement and he begins a curious relationship with the rats um that he grows to get to know <laughs> and goes on to have a mixed relationship with very mixed yeah curious was a good way to put it <laughs> yeah that's kind of it yeah all right well <laughs> since i probably have a longer list of things that worked for me i'll start mm. Go for it. It worked like a charm, Smith. <laughs> the casting, I got it. I mentioned Crispin Glover, Arlie Ermy, and the one who played the mother. So Crispin Glover. Oh, the I mean, mother is um, uh, Jackie Burroughs. Okay, I recognize that name. Look up. Yeah, she, she's she's been around movie. definitely. Um, but Crispin Glover, I mean, he for me is just so interesting. No matter what he's doing, he's so watchable. But it's his freak out moments. Like remember, there are those couple moments in it where it's just like to offset his tepidness. He just sort of has this irate explosion. I Do just... I remember? <laughs> so I love that. Yeah. Um, and then having Arlie Ermy, you know, just in his sort of stereo, you know, who's the, the drill master to the drill sergeant yeah. in full metal jacket and sort of, you know, has made a career of himself doing that. He's a very hateable boss. And I'd say was a, a fun to hate boss, yeah. which was just sort of like him playing the exact role I'd wanted to play. But I don't think I'd seen him specifically doing a boss before. And then the mother was just sort of, sorry, it was her name again, was um, Jackie Burroughs. Jackie Burroughs, Mrs. Oh, yes, Mrs. Styles. Um, she had this, like, I don't know, this look to it that just gave it the perfect, like, or look to it, sorry, a look to her where she was like, I, I don't know, she, she was so close to death, it felt like, you know, or at least maybe the makeup job, how they did it too, but she just had this, where it's like, I don't know, it sounds, I don't, it's, it's, it's weird to talk about, but like, where she's... <laughs> 
She's so close to death. She's she's off-putting, you know, in an almost way. It sort of gets at that. Totally. Like, when it's the kind of old, the elderly person who's like, oh my God, you know, you're so old, you're on death's door. And it's just, yeah. but she has it in that way that's sort of like the comic book movie way, which I know is oh, a phrase yeah. I've used before. They definitely, I mean, they, there's some makeup stuff going on with yeah. her that's, that's, good but i mean it's good it just made it so it was interesting when he's like of course mother i'll always love you right kind of thing when it's like you know he is seeing the beauty in her but we're also going like uh you know i don't know she had a fun like like horror movie casting vibe to her too i thought oh yeah you know what she reminded me a little bit of which is a little earlier is um the the pet cemetery what is it? The sister? I know. I thought that too. Yeah. Right. Who's actually played by a guy. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> There's sort of a similar vibe of just this like gaunt, wide-eyed, off-putting, you know, decrepit thing. That's it. Gaunt and wide-eyed. Yeah. That's super, it super sunken was. cheeks. Big, big, big bulbous eyes. Stringy hair. Yeah. <laughs> And then just kind of, you know, mean to Willard in, in, in her mm-hmm. own way, too. I mean, I gave you a horrible name. I'm going to change your name from <laughs> now on your Carl. That's right. That's so <laughs> funny. She, yeah, she, and they, they did really only once, I guess, after that, did she call him, I think it was Clark that oh, she Clark. settled yeah, on. sorry. Not she's Carl, like, why Clark. couldn't she have a more, like, a more manly name or something like that? And she's like, Mark or Ben or yeah. like, probably not Ben, no, but no. Uh, and she so she says Mark s- something else and Clark, yeah, <laughs> and like she settles that. on Clark. <laughs> um, it is mean. It's real mean. So did the casting not work for you then? Because you hated it. Um, man, it was fine. The casting was. It just wasn't fine. enough to save anything. No, here's the thing. Well, what worked for you? Okay, what worked for me was this few things, these few things. Um, When Willard sort of first has his like, it's really his only until the the end, but his first kind of transformation of like, I'm going to do something about my problems and, and go after my boss his hair gets way cooler. Like they made, they purposefully made, cause his hair is real shit. Mm-hmm. It's like, per, you know, obviously center parted <laughs> sort of gothy, horrible nineties cut. Mm-hmm. And, and then, and then he, and then he goes to, to seek sort of some revenge on his, on his boss. And suddenly his hair looks real good. I think I noticed that. Yeah. I, I, I think I notice hair a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know why, but maybe because I'm, you know, I'm real vain. Uh-huh. And I wish my hair was good. That was a fun little touch. <laughs> but then it never really happened again, I guess, until the very end. Mm-hmm. And even then it wasn't as, no- I didn't notice I it I liked that scene when he came in after, you know, getting the rats to slash the tires. Yeah. And it was like his just sort of... Uh, you know, just walking, walking on air, like he's the talk of the town kind of feel, but yeah. no one actually knows he was responsible for right, it. Right, right. Oh, hey, everyone, what's yeah. up? <laughs> it was fun. That's a good, you should do his, just do his voice this whole <laughs> podcast. Um, <laughs> um, okay, what else worked for me? Okay, uh, some technical stuff I, I, I thought was good. Um, sound and, and set design, great. It yeah. looks good. The tone I, of it is good. <clears throat> I think the direction is good. Um the intro uh, of the movie had a very, to me, a very sort of uh, Burton-esque mm-hmm. vibe to it. But unfortunately, I don't think that paid off. It was sort of just the intro. I thought maybe in the first couple of scenes that they were going to push in that direction and try and, I guess, mock or not mock, but do a, you know, try to do Burton um, and they didn't, which is fine. I, I, I'm glad the, they um, didn't. I'm glad you mentioned like the, yeah, the, the, the production design and set deck. That was something I really liked. Um, and I would say it was, it's, I mean, only Tim Burton can do Tim Burton. Right. But I'd totally. say this was, 
like the Burton light or I know what you mean. And like, it's, <laughs> I compared it to, and this is completely coincidental, but the movie Mouse Hunt, which is a favorite <laughs> movie of mine. Um, Mouse where, Hunt. Where as far as like the world that it takes place in, it's like, we know it's modern because of like cell phones or whatever, but at the same time, yeah. it has this very like, another place another time quality to it yeah and it sort of has like a feel of like dust and wood yeah. and leather and like um you know part of the production design all the, like the old boxes and cans just sort of have totally. this like totally a certain feel to them um i loved all that there's a reason for that yeah well and that's also that that's why um that's why it worked for me as far as uh it wasn't the style that you started talking about yeah. it was at that level which was a good level for me it yeah I, I wasn't i wasn't requiring anymore what were you gonna say it's there's a reason for the the i i am under the impression that this movie is very much trying to either pay homage to or rip off i'm not sure which let's say pay homage to psycho 100% this movie is trying to be psycho in I mean, in yeah. at least in like design it's the boy and his mother story. exactly exactly but but they lean on it i mean they lean on the final shot is him and is the yeah. same shot as psycho it's like it's a it's a fairly close up you know on him against a wall in the asylum i being, look at, looking like, crazy, you know. I, I agree. I with think the, the stairs of the house feel like yeah. the psycho house. The 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 era of the house feels like psycho. His demeanor, you know. He, I mean, I think they're really leaning on it. Well, the comparisons are all there. I agree, but as far I don't know, it feels like yeah, as it, like I said, like the boy and his mother story. It's sort of it's it's not like Psycho is the only one that you know is ever allowed to do it like i don't know i think it's a broad enough sort of story that i don't say it's like oh it's just a psycho like ripoff or whatever you know but i guess what i'm what i'm wondering is where do you draw the line between saying it's a ripoff and it's them paying trying to sort of tip their hat to it like when do you like how do you make that distinction well you i like to think you start with the premise of like, oh, you have a boy, a guy, yeah, <laughs> who who befriends rodents and uses them eventually to exact revenge. I'll give you a couple more uh, and, examples though of of why I think it's leaning harder than just that. I still haven't answered your oh, question, but I guess that's true. Go on. Um, <laughs> and once you start with once you start with that initial premise you start to think okay well what is a natural extension of that what would be true to that and i felt mm, like this movie on every level and the story on every level works in that sense of like well he's he's you know the loner guy he has mm -hmm. the controlling mother who hates him he has a job you know and it's a sort of you set up these classic sort of things to make it that i don't know it's that they're i see they're what you common, mean i, I but, think you know, you're right but I think there are some details that are overt. Yeah, but then it's when you, but then I could see them making this to say, oh yeah, the insane asylum, it's how it right. ends, it's perfect. But then someone goes, oh wait, that was what was done in Psycho. And then that becomes a question of like, well, do we come up with something else because Psycho did it or shouldn't we be allowed to do it because right. this fits our story too? I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not even saying that this is, I mean, it kind of worked for me. So this is why I'm bringing it up mm -hmm. now. Um, you know, I, for example, like in his dad's office, there's taxidermied, uh, birds. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean that, that, that nothing is more psycho than that, right? Like that You're is, right. That's that a, that's is a, the thing of psycho. That's a pretty big hat nod. So, so this is what it makes me wonder. We haven't seen the original Willard. Willard, the original Willard came out two, wait, when did psycho come out? 60, 60. 60 just 60 so the original willard is 71 i wonder if the original willard doesn't have even more of a psycho bent to it and then this is sort of saying hey remember your dad because just uh, i guess this is a thing of note but we'll get to that but like there's a connection between his dad and the original willard 
and maybe if we did a little more investigation, maybe there's some a connection from the original Willard to the original Psycho. I don't know. We'll find out. You're right. So, yeah, you're saying since I, the original was made just 10 years after Psycho, it was probably much more just sort of an obvious awareness to it. And mm-hmm. since this is a remake of that, then it's, it's inbred. It's even more aware, so they're kind of embracing it. Mm-hmm. Maybe. This is what we get for... for <laughs> <laughs> sitting down and recording right after we watch instead of <laughs> which is fun it's fresh. doing some deep research yeah i'm not a deep research kind of guy though so <laughs> we'll just wing it um i like the pacing the movie was long enough for me the escalation of like um the sort of first moment of when he um is communing with the rats for the first time that came <laughs> at the right time for me yeah, like that'd be yeah. fun. And then, oh, then there's that scene. Since we're on, I'll uh, say that was a favorite scene of mine. That where he goes, tear, tear it up. Tear, tear it up. I mean, he's like getting him to do it. I guess, yeah, yeah. I love that scene. It's, yeah, this movie. I still don't like it. That's <laughs> fine. <laughs> but you're seeing how. But I, I, like I, it. I get it. I mean, I get it. Um, sort of. <laughs> I liked we uh, we were talking about the style as far as um, the production set design the feel of it but how it was shot too I yeah. enjoyed of just you know like that shot toward the beginning where you would just hear the mother's voice and it stays on him and goes uncomfortably close oh to yeah him. that was nice that was fun and sort of as she retreats the camera retreats when he's kind of calming back down it re- the camera p- backs up away from him just a little bit yeah it's nice yeah, yeah they, i don't know it, nice it got real like i mean they used a, a i think a quite a wide lens and they got right mm-hmm. in his face so his face is all distorted when it's as close as it yeah. can be to him well i love just as much the simple you know um uh, the simple more telephoto lenses mm-hmm. as far as the close-ups of the rats oh like yeah ben becomes you know a central Absolutely. rat character and there's just so much character in that rat's face <laughs> and real it's, weird looking such a character and i just love that <laughs> it was just that sort of simply shot just let's see him up close yeah that worked really totally. well for me um, oh Ben. So oh I mean so there's there's two there's two sort of rats that he befriends initially Socrates, a white rat. This is a little Because you're smarter than them all. Is this heavy handed or, or or to you did you feel like this is heavy handed? Like the white rat is basically the angel on his shoulder and Ben, the dark, big, nasty rat, is like the devil on his shoulder. It was- perfectly in line with the rest of the film okay good. which uh was something else i liked about it which there is that it was tongue-in-cheek very much it sure is there was all sorts of different like rat mouse references throughout the movie <laughs> like arlie ermies yelling him at, at them at the beginning oh god like, it's a rat race yeah it's a rat race <laughs> and then no. and then tongue-in-cheek oh. like with the music of the that the michael jackson recording of ben getting turned on during the yeah. um the cat the cat rat <laughs> chase scene yeah um, that was great oh, where it was man. just like all right this was f- that was the that scene was like the movie distilled in its in its essence for me which was funny because it didn't even have crispin glover in right the scene and that was something i wanted to say i usually don't like scenes in movies where um the where you know harm comes to dogs and cats yeah um but this one, it worked for me because it was, it turned, it was the first instance where it felt like a horror movie to me, where it was, it was just very dark with the cat. That's interesting. I, I, I remember thinking kind of the same thing of yeah. like, this doesn't really feel like a horror movie to me. Yeah, it was, this <laughs> is kind of a weird movie, but at that point, and then because of the mm-hmm. final death and yeah. then how dark, it, yep. how dark the story is from his point of view Yeah. too. That's what I'll put it in the horror. There are no scares in this movie. Yeah. Maybe that's sort of what I was looking for. But I mean, if you're terrified of rats, it's definitely... I wondered. I mean, I wondered if that's sort of what part of the appeal at the time was, is sort of like, are you... you, Like the arachnophobia appeal, right? Yeah. People go... Like, I went to arachnophobia with my friend who is completely, like, paralytically afraid of spiders. And I'm like, why? Why do you want to go see this? And he hated it. 
He was freaked out the whole time. So I wonder, there's sort of that, like, yeah. what is that, like, schadenfreude? No, it's something else. It's sort of, you know, it's masochism almost. A good friend of mine is terrified of rats, but I but I swear he's a high school friend of mine, and I remember, I swear he was he was who I saw this movie with. I got to ask him <laughs> and what he thought about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting sort of you want to... I think that's what this... One of my big questions with this movie is who is it for? But that's I think that is part of it. Mm-hmm. Like, you're you're hoping... That you grab people because you want them to sort of think, can I can I make it through this even though I have this fear? Like, so that's good. That's what. A, yeah. That's why we see scary movies. And it a lot delivers of time. on that front as far as lots yeah. lots of rats and lots of rat droppings. Which um, which, which act, is a good that, touch. to me that that actually like sells the rats really really well. Yeah. I've liked... ha- I've lived in an apartment that had like a mouse infestation and. They got it right. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. Um, that was in New York. Talking about the uh, that scene, that same scene, the, the chase scene with the cat mm. real quick. But this the, for this scene as well as just all the rat scenes, which was a lot again... I am just I'm just always flummoxed at any good animal action. Like, I just think it's the coolest oh, yeah. thing. Like, when they get a cat to just, you know, do all that stuff and just how it sets up with a shot. And it's just such a masterful, beautiful kind of, I recommend Babe 2, Pig in the City, <laughs> probably the best, you know, animal action yeah. I've ever seen. Um, I never watched the Babe movies. There's <laughs> just two of them. They're not in my lane. You should, uh, you should check them out. Right. You see the first Someday. one. Some like the second better though. That's what I've heard. Um, Pig in the City. Anyways, yeah, animal action. It was great. I mean, come on, like all the rats just doing that. It's a spectacle. I am quite impressed with that stuff. I think we take it for granted. So I'll put that. I'll I'll put that right under things I liked. What? Wait, what are we doing? (laughs) (laughs) I like. Are we on that? Oh yeah, things uh, that worked. Yeah, that worked. I like. (laughs) This is sort of the last, maybe bigger thing point that I had of things I liked was um how the rats were portrayed as both friend and foe. Yeah. And then yeah. how Ben evolved into a main antagonist. Right. That was interesting. Um, where, you know, even like more so than the boss, Mr. Martin, Arlie Ermy. Totally. Who like got his come up, his comeuppance. Um, it, it ended up being a final showdown between, between Willard and Ben it was yeah. pretty gruesome and fun and had a set piece to it. That um, was probably my favorite part, actually, is that final, the Ben issue. You seemed into Ben when I, you were I, yeah. watching it. You are like, <laughs> oh, the Ben's going to be there. Yeah, I, I was much more interested in that angle than the, the sort of tropiness of a lot of the other stuff, mm-hmm. which I'll get into. Mm-hmm. Believe me, I'll get into it. All right, well, how about <laughs> let's get into it. Things. That, oh, wait, before, yeah. we, before we do... I have two things. Oh, no. The, I'll put these in things of note. Go on. All right. Here we go. Things that didn't work for us. It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> All right. So, I before I start, I'm going to have to insert some cobweb continuity. <laughs> So, this segment is called Cobweb Continuity. Here's what I have to say. If you're going to have a rat trap, and you're putting peanut butter on the thing, and then you're showing a close-up of of the rat trap, and there's no peanut butter on the thing, it's it's bad continuity, and it's going to make my brain hurt. There was peanut butter on the things. There were, except in the close-ups. There was this, there was like two shots of close up where he's like playing with the hinge. Maybe he didn't put peanut butter on those ones. But it, no, no, no. I remember, like, it's the same one he's holding. He's holding it in the wide. It's got peanut butter on it. And then they c- c- cut to a close up twice. You're so... And it doesn't have peanut butter. And the thing where the peanut butter is is rattling around. It's even worse because it can move. And it just. Can't handle it. My brain. Your uh, obsession and annoyance over continuity is very akin to Willard's freakout. <laughs> <laughs> in the film we just watched, yeah. it's at the same level. 
And um, yep. to know I'm the ops, I'm so forgiving. I don't care. Of con- like, <laughs> continuity errors happen, and oftentimes they're yeah. they're purposeful in order to give it sure. something else. But Not I could, on the level if you're it, talking if about. If it was purposeful, we're just gonna. I'd if you're gonna have it. a continuity section, then this is the section where I argue why it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's fair. You're allowed. Yeah. I mean, it's good that I'm glad that other people it doesn't bother them. That's good because. In my mind, I'm like, oh shit, they f- they fucked so up. So for you, it's just that if you're making a complete thing into itself, like uh, that has to be tight or 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 correct. Like I'm just trying to figure out like where what what's your your psychological ex- okay. like annoyance and oh, uh, mm, I think mostly is that it just completely dis- is distracting. It takes me right the fuck out. Where I'm the the, 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 the the continuity is literally the the problem. But like as a filmmaker, in so far as that, yeah, I I don't want to be thinking about the continuity. But you see, like, but it's more that I don't know. Even though it's it's less the continuity that's a problem, and more just the film and it either being a film that doesn't appeal to you or a film that's failing on another level. Because I feel like if you're engaged in a movie, then then the filmmaker, you know, knows sort of what you're attuning to and then will make sort of that decision about, you know, a continuity thing or not even see it themselves because it's like there it's it's it's, you know, you're supposed to be paying attention to other things and you are if it's successful. I I, I, I get what you're saying. So I get I'm just trying to ask them, yeah. like, why do you think you pay such hard attention to it? I don't think I do. Mm hmm. I think that in certain cases, it's just so glaring that I'm like, I mean, it's like, I don't know, uh, what's a really glaring example? I mean, the, the peanut butter is pretty bad. It's just distracting as fuck. And it makes me think somebody wasn't doing their job. What else didn't you like about this? All right, here we go. So if that wasn't enough, I have a couple thematic things that just, <clears throat> they irk me. So... Um, it, it, it's the, the, probably this is why I don't like this movie is because basically there's four tropes in this movie, right? There's Willard who is, is this sort of, this guy, this guy has no problems in reality, right? He lives in a house. He has a job like I don't know. He's healthy. He's perfectly capable of living an existence and thriving. And yet everything's a problem and he's a victim and everybody's mean to him and he's he's uncomfortable and antisocial. And it sort of speaks to this very specific type that exists in the world. So that's why I ask, who is this movie for? Because if it's for that type of person who feels that way, great. But but he's fairly repre- reprehensible of a person, right? Like he does things... His, his boss is, is really only just an asshole, right? Like that's it. His boss isn't like committing crimes. He's not hurting anybody he's just a dick and willard kills him right that's is that justifiable well he killed his best friend (sighs) his best friend he's psychotic willard is psychotic so not only is he just sort of antisocial he's psychotic and he's i don't know there's just this trope of the sort of I, I don't know. Another aspect to this trope is this sort of like impotence, right? There's this like he's he's kind of asexual, bo- maybe borderline gay. It's never really addressed, but like women don't interest him whatsoever or, or regard women regardless. In this case, a woman doesn't interest him who who is interested in him. But there's there's a few mentions of like, why can't why can't you just find a girl and like be happy or whatever? So. And, and then there's this sort of impotence. Even when when his best friend, Socrates, is being killed, he does nothing about it. So to me, 
I, I just hate this guy. I hate this character. I don't relate to him whatsoever. So I don't know what we're cheering for. I'm glad. Um, well, I'm glad you said something because I feel like he he's the he's the movie like extreme, you know, story version of someone who I relate to. And who I feel like has my, like, psychoses in, an, again, in an extreme right. movie way. That's interesting because I know, I know, I mean, like, use, using sort of high school as, as like, well, a touchstone. Yeah. Like, I remember the kid who felt that way. I mean, to a degree, I felt that way, too, as a high schooler, right? Like, there are times when I just was like, I, you know, See, well, I felt like a whatever, like, yeah. So if, not cool. if Arlie Ermey's the bully type, you would just sort of in your your um, discussion were like, but all he's really being the boss is an asshole, you know, but and right. then you're saying and the Willard, though, that's, you know, you can't even deal with that. But for me, my reaction when watching that is I'm like, this guy's being a total asshole. Why does he even bother being an asshole? This guy's ridiculous. Like, obviously, it's not being good. It's not helping anyone. I had no... This is just to, you know, how we're different or who we sympathize with or whatever. Sure. But like... Don't get me wrong. I, I no... think I think Army Ermi is... Is that how you say it? Yeah. Like, he's... he's an, He is a bad dude in this movie, right? right? But I was saying it was interesting. You've like, seen I don't like him more, either. But you seem more forgivable of him when... Uh... Or, or the idea of an asshole when for me, it's like, I can't... I can't... I don't know. I just can't get... So I think that slashing his tires... Totally justified. Mm-hmm. Murder, mm. right? I in mean, the context, in the context yeah. of him murdering Socrates, but oh, I don't know. But that's what movies. It's like the part I of get it. that you can't. I still. Where it's right. But there's still this thing of like, on numerous occasions in this movie, Willard loses his like he begins to lose his temper and starts to buck up Mm -hmm. and like have a reaction and you think oh he's gonna lose his shit and he's gonna throw a punch or whatever the mother died the there's oh is it everyone after the there's one in the boss's office early on where he clenches his bag um and then yeah you're probably right after the mother the mother dies pretty early yeah maybe midpoint I just was more saying that because that's interesting as far as, I mean, if we're really getting into his character and psychology here, having a mother like that totally justifies his his yeah. impotent ways. To- as he put I, it, you I, know? I totally agree. This is the trope. Mm-hmm. And I think that part of it is that in this particular execution of the trope, it's confusing to me as to whether I'm supposed to root for him or to just understand why he's troubled and and be like, yeah, I get it. Because in Psycho, I don't – I'm not rooting for Norman Bates. I'm like, yeah, that guy's fucked up. He, I'm rooting for Janet Lee or – yeah, mm-hmm. I, is it Janet or Vivian? It's Janet, I think. You know, I'm rooting for her and then I'm rooting for her sister to not get killed. In this, this is so Willard-centric. He is the protagonist. I'm supposed to root for him, right? I don't. I'm like, you're all over the place, dude. I don't even know who to root for. And I don't even know who the bad guy is until Ben shows up. And I'm like, I'm kind of rooting for Ben now. Yeah. Like, Ben is actually interesting. And I get I get Ben more than I get right. Willard. I mean, I felt for sure that ambiguity, too, of like the part of me that um is like dude this guy's nuts and he's horrible all these things he's doing but i mean i was rooting for him at the same time i think that's really really interesting that that you that that you have a connection to him mm-hmm. and and i'm not in any way like this is not a, a, a criticism of that it, it, i mean i think this is good Right. Like we have to have art that represents everybody or sides. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Ids. Yes. And so that's great that this is doing it. And it sort of begs the question to me in a a weird way. 
as to like, I mean, I can answer this question, I'm sure by the time I finish it, but you know, why do you want to make this movie? Who do you make it for? And when, and, and, and when it's being pitched, are there enough people who are going to get on board and say, yeah, this is worth putting money into, you know? And I think from that angle, good for them. Like they got this movie made. I mean, it's a remake, so they had some name brand yeah. shit going on, but good for them for thinking they should take advantage of that. On the flip side, this movie is not for me. When you, I was curious <laughs> just to get as far as still where you're coming from with rooting or not rooting for a character. I mean, you must have seen and liked movies that were about a bad person that yes. you still must sympathize with. Yes, for so, sure. So it, if for this it was the the archetype or whatever yeah. of this character, like, can you pick apart anymore why when it works for you and when it doesn't? If because it's not just that he's done doing bad things, you know. No, it's not. I think it's more of, and maybe this is a reflection of something that I I have experienced and I don't like in myself, right? Which is also good because like. Any sort of art or in horror is good at this is sort of pointing at the things that get to us. So in this case, I'll you know, good job, Willard. You you got under my skin. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like uh, off the top of my head, uh, I think I I think I tend to gravitate towards more of. Now there are similar qualities, but more of a. Um, brooding but capable anti-hero. So, um, yeah, Marlon you, Brando, yeah. James Dean, uh, Paul Newman, like they all kind of have that thing where it's like that you, explains the two James Dean pictures yeah, in your room. Yeah, well, I, I, that was my my senior thesis was on <laughs> James Dean, so I have a ton of shit on him. <laughs> Um, and we're from towns very close to oh. each other and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there is, because so, those guys have this thing, this sort of like, oh, we're tortured, but like we're we're going to try to overcome that. And one of the big things that I see in that archetype is, is and this is very true for the sort of anti-hero archetype, is a set, like a moral code that they have. It may not be the same as everybody, but they have a code. I don't see that in in this character of Willard. Like, I don't see him having a sort of touchstone of like, yeah, but this is the thing I believe in. He does, though, at the end. Remember when he's like laying it down to Arlie Ermey? These are all the things you did to my family. Yes, but that comes so late. I think that's a problem for me in the structure of this. If that kind of stuff had been a little more clear maybe at the beginning the other thing is that his relationship with the rats is really inconsistent right like at first he is trying to kill them then he's like oh they're cute and this one is cool and smart i like him and then oh look there's a bunch of them and their family and then i'm gonna train them and then i'm mad at them because they're not doing what i want but then i'm happy that they did what i I want like that was a deleted scene where he was befriending them more i mean he they Go kill, you know, his boss and he comes home and he gasses the rest of the rats. He just kills them. So it's really confusing to me. Like, does he love the rats or does he hate the rats or did he only love Socrates or, you know what I mean? So to me, there's a little, there's a lot of inconsistency. So I can't get on board with him. Mm. And that is hard. In the anti-hero trope or or archetype that I like, what I find interesting, and this is also kind of why I like comic books, because Mm -hmm. this abides by these rules to to a certain degree. When you have a set of moral, you know, rules, and you're put in a situation where you have to bend them or figure out a way to bend them and not break them... That, to me, is really interesting. That doesn't exist in this movie. So, be that as may, that, that's not even a criticism. It's just a different movie. But I like that, and this movie doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. I don't like this movie. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think, and not because of it, but it just it doesn't have things that I like. Right. So the, then, I mean, the that's... more the brooding reaction, but still having agency. Is yeah. What you like. Yeah. Exactly. See, and I'm someone who because he has purpose. I mean, he yeah. has, like you said, he has a a history and a and a a pathos that 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 has brought him to this point, and I, it's justified. I relate to. Since, yeah, two things about him that you didn't relate to are not having any certainty in that sort of like what that moral grounding as far as like, OK, well, this seems right. But I can also think of this situation where it wouldn't be right. And so sort of, I don't know, you know, the sort of owner overanalyzing a situation mm. to a fault. Whether that's specifically this or not, I don't know. Maybe that's a bit of a stretch. But also, the not having the agency—that's like the kind of person I that's can really relate to. Is yeah. that sort of like that that fighting back, or that feeling like you're allowed to to take space and and you know you just see that immediately, you know, in his character, how he enters the office and everything, mm-hmm. like what he does, you know. I'm, Better than that now, but like, sure, you know, no, yeah, I can yeah. totally relate that where it just feels like your mere existence is another person's burden, right? That's very interesting. I mean, and good, like, I'm that's I'm glad that you relate to that because I sure <laughs> as shit don't, yeah. <laughs> um, a couple other quick things in sort of the trope uh, realm. Um, I really don't, I just don't like the, the female trope of like the, the kind of clueless doting woman who likes him because he's mysterious and, and like, but for no real other reason. And then she's just super pushy on it and like wants to help. I just want to help. I just want to help you. Why? You don't even know this dude, right? There's something about that that is really off-putting to me. I agree. As a trope, I think she should have been given more for sure. Yeah. The payoff, I guess, is only... Yeah. But this kind of proves another bit of this sort of the, the like, woe is me antisocial thing of that, like, once she sees that he's kind of a psychotic yeah. dude, she's like, peace out. Right. Which which actually undercuts her character totally. And I, and I'm, I like, I, uh, I just... Well, no, it was that she made the connection that he killed the boss. No, I know that. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, if she actually cared about him i get that that's drawing a line though and you know it is <laughs> murder <laughs> yeah yeah no and yeah you're right that's a good line and um and yeah even though it's a tr- i mean tropes are based in reality too yeah. as far as these you know archetypes or people so it's like i can see you know that she was just the kind of woman who's like okay this is just sort of that weird sensitive oddball guy and she likes those types, but you're right. As far as I think it was, she was trapped too much in just like a trope. Yeah, non, it's just non-character. Yeah, place. she's just a very two-dimensional yeah. woman, and and to, and in but, particular, women that are portrayed as two-dimensional in in art now, yeah. like just irks the fuck out of me. But it also, I mean, maybe that came as a cost of making this movie as Willard-centric and as fast-paced as True. it was. Yeah. Because any more, as far as time-wise, like, I didn't need them to go on a date during <laughs> it or anything like that, you know? Can you imagine? Right. <laughs> I'd like to see that scene. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're right, there was not time for it. I, I would have been... I mean, I was pretty close to checked out. Yeah. That might have sealed it. <laughs> <laughs> So, any other specifics that didn't work for you? Um, let's see. That's pretty much all I have down here. I Who's just this wrote... movie for Problems Are His Fault. Yeah. Oh, the, did I mention that? Like, the, his... He believe. Wait a minute. Maybe I'm, I'm misreading my notes here. Problems are his fault. Oh, yeah. Just the fact that, like, the big, the big sort of catalyst to the, the to the uh, conflict between him and his boss is that he's never on time. He has no reason not to be on time, at least none that we've established in this movie. And I kind of just... But my mother's that, sick. That, that, that actually pisses me off. Because I'm like, this whole movie could be solved with a better alarm clock. So I didn't have anything in things <laughs> that didn't work for me. I put nothing really. It's just, I can't say I loved it. Yeah. You know? But what you were just saying as far as, you know, that that uh, is applicable to a things of note that I wrote. So okay. do you want to move to that? Yeah, let's do it. Things of note! 
This should be interesting. Okay, so yeah, Tim, you were just saying how he basically doesn't have, as far as what his, the opportunity in his life exists right. as far as he's capable. And I thought that was interesting and noteworthy how the <laughs> boss calls that out to him at one point. And the yeah. boss isn't wrong when he's like, you can move anywhere, you can buy a cheap car, you can start a life, get a girlfriend, all that <laughs> right, stuff. Right. And then I thought I was like, okay, cool. I get that. That's interesting. It made me think about him. But I really loved at the end. Maybe I shouldn't say I really loved because this would have been a really <laughs> thing thing I liked. I thought it was very interesting and noteworthy. Yeah. Um, at the end when Willard was talking to Ben and he was saying, you can live anywhere, Ben. Why Absol- live yes. here? You can go anywhere. I can't. Yeah. He's He thinks he's trapped. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's a that's a good solid theme. Yeah, I and thought it, that was and interesting, and I think it pays off. Um, the in a uh, sort of tangential to that, but in relation to the time thing, there is a really interesting, well done, uh, symbolic gesture of time when he goes to kill himself with the knife that his dad sl- presumably slit his own wrist with and killed himself he has his dad's watch and he has to take his watch off of his wrist in order to slice his own wrist and he holds the two watches next to each other that's good shit yeah. i should have put that in things that i like because yeah. that is really quite good um the only problem i have with it is that that sort of uh there are a lot of clocks and there's time in this movie but i didn't feel like it was kind of used in a way that made me feel good until that moment. And and maybe it's too heavy to to push on that in a movie that's really a, kind of focusing on the rats. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess I, borderline something that worked for me more so something of note like that. That's good. That's good shit. Like putting the two watches next to each other on and having to take one off of the wrist that you're going to slit. Yeah. Well, and what was noteworthy for me, I just had the question of, so why, why did Willard, you know, think he was so trapped when he wasn't? Right. What do you think? I think it speaks to the, what this character is predicated on he believes a certain set of problems exist and they don't. Mm -hmm. And so at least they're getting to that in that final act between him. He may not be getting it, but he's expressing it in a way to somebody else. So in some level he gets it. I feel like that's a less Willard archetype centric thing. I think that's just a human thing as Mm, far as we we believe what we tell ourselves, yeah. you know, we're trapped, we're helpless to change our situation. Yeah, man, he really rails on to keep that job. Yeah, that, that was surprising. shit job. Right. Why is he, he I mean, I get he You're wants afraid it because of change. Yeah, and it was his dad's company and, you know, I just think that a lot of these, they, they came close and didn't quite, they didn't land for mm. me. I think that maybe makes me dislike the movie more because I'm like, oh, okay. there are interesting things there. that could have been at at yeah. Uh, yeah like there's more. something there, but I, I I just didn't feel like it. Yeah. Well, um, I just have a few things of note as far as you know people who are involved with it. Oh yeah, little things which was um Laura Herring, which was the yeah she's she's in Mulholland Drive. That's right. <laughs> she's got kind of an accent in this. I don't. Yeah. I don't know her her um, I don't know. history, so she I don't sounds know. Something. Yeah, you're right. Um, the writer director of this is Glenn Morgan, who's also a producer and writer on the X Files. Oh, nice. So I bet, like, from his clout of the X Files, yeah, and then this no movie three. just grossing a lot, the, yeah. or the original one grossing a lot. That that's yeah. you were kind of wondering how uh, this movie got made. If you're wondering how much this movie made, <laughs> yeah, not a lot. <laughs> it cost about twenty two million. Uh, had a good opening week weekend of four million, and then kind of just after that, it uh, worldwide uh, eight point five. Oh, 
So well, it, it, it did not make its money back. $7 of that was mine, so I'm happy <laughs> to support it. There you go. And I bought the DVD. That's oh, man. That's what we watched. It was you, my 15-year-old DVD. <laughs> Which I recommend is, some, is a 70-minute making of on it. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, we haven't watched that. No. I'm not sure I can do it. Um, oh, 70 it was, minute making of yeah. in the movie itself is 100. You might like it better than the actual <laughs> film. Um, Bruce Davison, who played the original Willard, is used in, appears in photos as Willard's father yeah, in this one, right. which is a, a fun touch. And I, Tim and I, I think, want to watch the original at some yeah, point Yeah, I kind of do now. Which has I'm just sequel. super curious. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it has this sequel. This blows my mind. <laughs> it really does. So the, did we say this? Yeah, so the song Ben, which is a Michael Jackson tune, was written for the 1972 sequel called Ben mm-hmm. of Willard from the year before. Yeah. A Michael Jackson... <laughs> wrote a song for a sequel to a movie about a guy who loves rats. Did you know that both the Nomeo and Juliet films, the one that's already come out and Sherlock Gnomes, which is coming out, have songs written by Elton John? Uh, That, I I believe that more. (laughs) Like, I'm okay with that more. (laughs) (laughs) This, and the song is... It's a really it's good wackadoo. song. I mean, it I, is so. It is, I love I, the song. I, I think it's a good song, yeah. but the, the the lyrics they don't putting it with it. It just it's so weird. Yeah, the to lyrics me. don't obviously <laughs> apply to a rat. It's just to have a friend like Ben, who in the context yeah. of this happens to be a rat. Your mind, which I thought was friend. sweet. I liked the animal connection stuff in this, and I liked his yeah. sweet moments with uh, the rats, and and felt for him when Socrates was killed. I found it to be weird and off-putting you've never had a rat friend no i don't like rodents no i'm not even that big a pet person i mean i this this will get me never get me a date ever in the rest of my life but like i don't like dogs (laughs) like they're fine i don't want one though they're fine come to la and try and date if you don't like dogs or you're allergic to them which i am as well my dad always says never trust someone who doesn't like dogs I, I, you can trust me, Ryan, you can trust me. And you don't like rats either. I don't like rats. I I had cats when I was a kid. Cats are okay. They're great. All of them are great. You know. Have you, they seem to like you, animals, cats. But cats and dogs almost annoyingly will come up to me and I'm like, I'm actually not that allergic anymore because I got the shot stuff. Uh But in the past, I would like could not be around them. I couldn't touch them. Do you ever try to look at them as equals or do you? I've never thought of it that way. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're, I don't know. Like listen to them as if they have something to say and give them that attention. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the cats that I've had, definitely. Yeah. And my the cats I've had are awesome. Like they're cool. So you can, I mean, I relate to them. It's but not far fetched that other mammals can do that. Then you know, and for right. You. But I just think it's kind of funny and and ironic, I guess, that like the 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 allergic guy in the room, the dog will find me. Oh yeah, that always happens. People who yeah. are allergic to cats, cats love them. <laughs> so you know, I got that going for me. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's for a reason. <laughs> You know, as far as life lessons are built yeah. into your life. <laughs> it's something to to come to terms with. <laughs> mm-hmm. Listen to what they're saying next time. Although I didn't, I felt, I felt pretty bad for that cat. Yeah, me too. That poor cat. But it was a good scene. And I blame the woman. She, she pushed that cat onto Willard. That was weird. That was a weird, like, non, like, I didn't buy that she would literally put yeah. an animal on someone if she cared about. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's, he'll be fine. Don't worry yeah, about it. Yeah, I, I just want to help. Um, So, what? where are we at now? Oh, oh, I have two little things of note. Yeah. The, the can of nuts that Willard feeds the the, the family of rats in the uh, early on is, <laughs> the brand is Numb Nuts. I think that's great and yeah. hilarious and i lo- of its time i love that when the boss is looking at porn <laughs> it's like it's dial up pixelated 
JPEG porn, right? Like this is pre, you can't stream anything, right? Like this is 2003, probably made in 2002. Like this is <laughs> just, and I think it's kind of set just a little bit before that as well. Yeah. Like it's not like she mentions a cell phone, but it's like n- not a, really a presence in this movie. The the computers are all like this very sort of old box Mac mm-hmm. or Apple IIe or whatever the fuck it is. And so you just wanted to know. I just think those are cool kind of things of note. Um, There, it's a little weird because in the office, like there's, I think they, there was this struggle to sort of say, this is, this is contemporary. It's happening in, in 2000, whatever, one, two, three, but there's so much design that it's 1960s Mm -hmm. or maybe early seventies. Like there's a old school Rolodex on his desk. Yeah, well, that's like the the world of the father and the mother when they were yeah. in the prime and Arlie Ermy. It's this yes. sort of representative of this like uh, I don't know. I'm making a wide armed gesticulation <laughs> thing. It's an era um, thing. Yeah, yeah. Of this, this the sort of the old mode yep. of doing things, just totally. sort of still having this heavy air over everything else, and which I think is a big part of Willard's neuroses and psychoses yeah. is just sort of this crushing this is the way things are mother and father are always watching you yeah i have to look something up real quick um well should we while you're doing that get to our recommend dead shins because i don't have well this oh i don't have an internet <laughs> i'm dumb i turned it off okay so i'll just say it real quick because this would we this would send us spiraling into a long conversation potentially, but I think of the time right, like when did Columbine ha- Colin Columbine happen? Well, like ninety five ish. I go by I think the, the movie pulling for Columbine was two thousand one. Right, so I think this is an era where the kind of interest in in that type that personality type was kind of finally being allowed to be talked about and portrayed again after Columbine. Fine, whatever, however you say it. Um, and I felt there was sort of, not that this movie is about that or whatever, but the, 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 the character type, I think ha- there's, there's a connection to that. The, the, the depiction of sort of this antisocial, misunderstood uh impotent anger driven but can't act on it kind of thing misanthrope <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah um so of note to me yeah i thought about it i was like i wonder maybe i'll do it and look it up i don't know mm-hmm. this so, where, where yeah. in this movie where that kind of archetype fell in the larger oh actually it was 99 columbine was okay. 99 so it's it was right in the yeah you know the guy who shoots up the school, the guy who sets his rats loose on his boss. Yeah, and I think it's this. Yeah, it's 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 a. I don't know. It's it's a character type of powerlessness, feeling of powerlessness, and being able to finally do something about it. Mm-hmm. Whether it's uh, the right action to take or right. not. When someone gets so, ideas get so perverted or the reality gets so, um, the reality that they tell themselves becomes the reality so much that they they finally break and force it onto the environment and often in the most extreme way as possible. Yeah. So there's some, yeah, I think there's just some stuff around that. Cool. Yeah, man. All right, so how about it? Recommendations. Oh, so my recommendation is um, a is kind of related to this. It's a short story by H.P. Lovecraft um, that I'm reading right now. Uh, the Shadow Over Innsmouth. 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 Oh, yeah. And I think I've read that one. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. So just super briefly, it's really cool. Just read it. But there's some rat stuff in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's, like, living in this inn um, that's dank and dark and has rats and shit. And I, he's having crazy dreams. I don't have too much I'm watching or reading right now. I mean, I just, since I brought it up earlier, and it's, you know, on an animal-related note, Babe 2. <laughs> yeah. Big in the city. Get into it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I know it sort of pops up in different, um, you know, film geek 
uh, parts areas of the internet, whatever, you know, you've heard about it. There's a screening of it, the new Beverly. That's when I first saw it within like the last, I think it was about six months ago. Wow. I saw it in theaters. It was cool. But not only was it, you know, just super impressive animal action, but like this film is just a little bit and more like mouse hunt. Babe 2 Pig in the City has this where it's a, you know, a live action fantasy world that's inspired by our real world. Mm-hmm. And, and I just always am fascinated by that and like that as a, as a, as a tone and a device. Cool. It's done really well in it. I should watch it. Yeah. Watch the first one first for yeah. sure. And they're different enough that, you know. Yeah. I can watch some pig stuff. <laughs> yeah. All right. Especially after this. Yeah. I uh, got through rats. I can do pigs. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love bacon. So for so we hope you will join us for our next episode. Yeah. And Tim, we haven't we actually didn't talk about what I was think we be. go sharks, man. Do you want to watch that one? Yeah, that's, that's it's called Forty Seven Meters Down. Oh right. Yeah. It's on Netflix. It's free, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I actually did want to see that. It's the supposedly the the better of the two shark movies that came out well that were widely known about there we've recently discovered there's a infinite number of shark movies Mm -hmm. out there i thought you might have been talking about one of those which is available on shutter which i think is called bait it's the one about the shark in the grocery store (laughs) which i'd also be down to watch at some point oh my god but yeah no 47 meters meters down down, i'd love to see that mandy moore and i forget that sounds great yeah all right well i'll look forward to that Awesome. And, um, you can find me, Ryan McDuffie, on my website, Ryan McDuffie, M C D U F F I E dot com. That has at the bottom a link with my email, my Twitter, my Instagram. Yeah, buddy. And I'm at Tim Aslan on Twitter. Uh, that's basically it. I mean, just, you know, at me there. <laughs> just at me. He's at, at just Tim Aslan. At all over me. Well, <laughs> take that back. <laughs> Don't add all over me. <laughs> Well, as or they do say, I don't care. Film is forever, Tim. <laughs> right? All right. All right. Take Thanks care, for everyone. joining us. Thank you. See ya. <laughs>